got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Hey everybody, this is a professor and we're going to do a little bit of bonus content. Um, Mr. Drew would like to outline a little better than he has been outlining um, the Anunnaki and maybe like a family tree. So without further ado, allow me to present to you a fuckstick named Mr. Drew. Wow, that's, that's, did you write that? No, I improved it. Do you like it? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I love it. Are you gonna say it forever now? And like, shut up, Drew. Just get the fuck down to it. Okay, we've been talking a lot about the Sumerian tablets and the creation myth. It's impossible to get a lot of this information in on a one-hour podcast, even if you had a one-hour podcast for 365 days a year. So today's bonus content: the day after party. It's the after party. We're having a good time. Well, I am. He's not. Thank you. It's the after party. The after party show bonus content. We are going to discuss Enki and Enlil. All right. Those are the names you hear the most of. You might say they're the central characters in the myths and legends of the Anunnaki, um, who were sibling rivals, by the way. Okay. So um, we will start with Anu. Anu is known as An, A N which means uh, great father of the sky. He could be considered the original deity in the pantheon and lord of all of the other gods. And a lot of this information I get comes from the 12th planet, the lost book of Enki, chariot of the gods, David Icke books, the biggest secret, the Sumerian tablets, the, t- the tale of Gilgamesh, Zechariah Sitchin, who authors the 12th planet, kind of is the first one to suggest that these gods were that of, not from this world. They're, they derived from elsewhere. And that's where the mainstream kind of said, ooh, Zechariah, mm, yeah, hey, love the work you did so far, son, baby. But uh, 
can't talk about the aliens. So there you go. So we'll start with Anu. A-N-U. Anu, known as On, Great Father of the Sky. Anu's parents were Anshur and Kishar, which you could be considering probably remained in heaven. Okay? Anu has two consorts. Antu, Great Mother of the Sky, and Ki, the Earth Mother, both of which or gave him children. Okay? Ki gives birth to Enlil, uh, Lord of the Air, Earth, Guardian of the Tablet of Destinies, and also Ki gives birth to Ning Kershog, Lady of the Mountain, or just Nin, N-I-N. Okay? On the other side, on two, she gives birth to Enki, Lord of the Earth and Waters, uh, and Enki could also be known as E-A, E. So, from there, we can derive that Enki and Enlil are half-brothers. Following his birth, Enlil forges the earth from heaven, and him and his mother, Ki, take command of the earth, while Anu continued to reign in heaven. So, we're not going to get into the Tablet of Destinies or the some of that stuff. We're just going to strictly talk about streamlining and outlining this family tree so that we can all understand it a little bit better um, and so that I can portray it and describe it a little bit better to you guys, to everybody out there. So you have the, so long story short, we have what? Uh, Anu, which is father of the sky, children, which would be Enki and Enlil. Enki's mother was known as Antu and Enlil's mother was known as Ki. They are half brothers. This is where we pick it up. So now we are in Sumer, and these are the gods, the deities, some existing and being on earth, some remaining in heaven. Anu remaining in heaven and as his, his uh, parentage and uh, ancestors before him. So we have Enki and Enlil on earth in Sumer, Mesopotamia, the, the cradle of civilization. Cities are founded Life is flourishing in the cradle of civilization. Was fed up with humankind. Um, wasn't really satisfied with the direction we were going. And uh, more importantly, s- possibly upset about the corruption of mankind by beings referred to as the Nephilim. The book of Jubilees, uh, chapter 7, verses 21 through 25 says, For owing to these three things came the, came the flood upon the earth, namely... Owing to the fornication wherein the watchers against the law of their ordinances went a whoring after the daughters of men and took themselves wives of all which they chose, and they made the beginning of unclean, uh, uncleanness. It is quite easy to, you could possibly say that the watchers or Nephilim are comparable or are just another term for the Anunnaki. And I encourage everybody to go look into this and interpret it for yourselves. I'm trying to give you a basic interpretation without what how I interpret it, because I might I view things a little bit differently than Zechariah Sitchin does or whatnot. But anyways, um, so the fallen angels come down. They bring technology and science as a w- way to enslave humanity. They started to interbreed with uh, to interbreed with these humans, leading to a race of demigods. So God or the Creator Yahweh decided to start over by wiping everyone out through a flood. 
and this is the Judeo-Christian. He tells Noah to build a great ark. Noah loaded up the ark with animals. You know the rest of the story. The Sumerian version. The uh, flood myth of Sumerian lore is older than the one in Genesis. Much older. There seem to be Sumerian texts, a number of them, which do talk about a great flood in one form or another. Uh, one known example is the epic of Zusidra. Zudra. I don't know how do you say that. You got the epic of Atrahasis and the well-known epic of Gilgamesh. And from this point, you this is where a lot of the Sumerian creation myth comes from. Obviously, uh, certain parts within these tablets are missing. Uh, but if you start to piece these things together from what the information that we do have, we're back to the four main players. You have On, his wives, Antu and Ki, uh, Ki producing Enlil, and Antu producing Enki. So life on Earth has been seeded. There are these two half-brothers. The deity pantheon residing in heaven have decided to not inform. Now we're talking about Sumerian creation or Sumerian uh, history, what the tablets say about from the Sumerian tablets uh, point of view. The gods decide to flood hum- the, the earth. Now let's talk about Enki and Enlil, the children of An, father of the sky. Enlil's role in uh, Sumer can be described as the oppressor, while Enki can be the supporter. According to Atreus Expos text, it was Enlil who commissioned human beings being created. The only reason he wanted that, however, was for a slave race to do the bidding of the gods. Um, In the Sumerian myth, uh, which involves Marduk, a number of the gods are on strike because they are tired of maintaining creation. So Enlil proposes that he will solve the issue only by being named supreme uh, leader of the gods. Uh, Later on, after this, after he's made supreme leader of the gods, he becomes tired of humanity's noise. So this is probably several generations later, I'm assuming. Um, The humans have been created as a slave race by do the bidding of the gods, construction, slave labor, whatever it is, mining gold. He thinks that there needs to be a reboot with a great flood. And as the god of weather... How uh, convenient um, that he has that power so that he can bring about said destruction using said weather. So that was Enlil. Enlil being the suppressor or oppressor of human beings who forged the earth from heaven. Enki, his half-brother, can be characterized as the creator and champion of humanity. Enki creates human beings out of a mixture of clay and the blood of the and blood of the slain god Kingu. And I would suggest that the clay they are referring to um, is probably some sort of stem cell like uh, technology. Basically they forged our species in a test tube. Enki being a little pissed off when he discovered Enlil had a plan to flood the earth and wipe out the creation or race that Enki had created. Enki takes it upon himself to warn somebody to construct the ark. So 
now let, let's do a little recap. This is the, the key themes or points, all right? The family tree, Anu, father of the sky. He has two lovers, Ki, K-I, who produces Enlil, from which Enlil creates the earth from the heavens, suggests the creation of a slave race to Anu's father of the sky, other lover, Antu, A-N-T-U, who uh, bores the child of Enki. Enki, receiving that idea, being implanted from Enlil to Antu, Enki's mother, creates human beings. That's where we are in the story. Here are the key themes. Anunnaki come from the planet Nibiru. They came to uh, mine gold because they required it to power their civilization. They got tired after the Ijiji revolted and were almost wiped out of doing it themselves. So they create the human beings to do the hard work. Excuse me, make an argument that Enlil, Enki, Anu, Marduk, and the rest were actually alien administrators. So are the Anunnaki and the reptilians the same? Some say yes. I, I kind of lean towards you. Uh, Sumerian tablets sh- carvings show evidence of some figures appearing reptilian. Other figures looking more human, more like a bird. So I do think the reptilians have several species, or the Anunnaki just quite a few species, the reptilians being one of those species. It's, it's irrelevant. It, for the most part, they are working for the same force. So why the hell do reptilians and the Anunnaki, why are they here? What do they want with other than they created us? They're looking for monoatomic gold still to this day, which is the original reason why they came here, um, which is said to boost their nervous systems. It is uh, how they are able to shapeshift across dimensions. So they also feed and derive energy from human suffering. So it would be well within survival, and it would ensure their survival if they were to set up a planet that constantly wages war engages in low vibrational emotion and creates division, hatred, nervousness, doubt throughout the entire planet. I mean, do we really need to look around the planet and ask the question like, why this fucking crazy? It's fucking crazy because the people in charge have to have it that way to ensure their survival. They need sustenance. And if the planet is not designed in that way, if everybody was to walk a down the street and get along with strangers and there were no issues, there were no geopolitical strifes or division, if there were no pro-choice versus you know pro-life, like there you go. The entire planet has been designed as, a, as an atmosphere of division. The people that push that agenda derive from the bloodline, going back to ancient Sumer, working for or on the behalf of these Anunnaki reptilian gods. And whether or not, you know, the reptilian thing is its own. It's very, very interesting. Um, and it's not really important to spend a lot of time on that. Um, I mean, how do, how do you talk about uh, shape-shifting folk, politicians who have the ability to shape-shift from lizard man back to human? Well, they have a DNA which is compatible with the consciousness emanating from alternative dimensions, but very much able to control the events and, I guess, structure of society within ours. It's just possession. 
you might say that George Herbert Walker Bush is possessed by the consciousness of an archon. And remember, the Sumerians believed that you could funnel a consciousness once it leaves a body into that of a new body, thus ensuring that consciousness survival for hundreds of years, a thousand years. That's why the agenda continues to roll on. That's why Meyer de Rothschild, the Rothschild family today, is doing what Meyer de Rothschild was doing in the 1800s. They're carrying on the agenda because the same consciousness still occupies these families. So there you have it. Enki and Lil, who were they? What were they responsible for? And how it ties into reptilians, the shapeshifter? Remember, we live in a holographic universe where everything that I'm looking at right now is made up of matter. Matter has no solidity because atoms have a 99.999 are 99.999. So therefore, the solid, visible world that we think it is. What we see with our eyes and what we decode with our five because that's what they are, a decoding process, does not represent the totality of what the universe holds. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Because we can't see shit. The electromagnetic spectrum is the only band of visible light that we can decode. And within that visible light, we decode 0.005%. And the electromagnetic spectrum represents about 2% of all matter in the universe. We are blind. We have no idea. But we are getting there, and they wish to keep us held down like a beach ball at the bottom of a pool when the beach ball's natural status is to rise to the surface and be buoyant. Professor, bring us home. Okay, well, I want to remind everybody to be buoyant, all right? Mr. Drew said it well. Let's be buoyant, all right? I'm also going to need, um, this is the play call that I will be calling in a game Saturday night at an NFL game. It will be trips left over gypsy right flex. Let's do 32 Texas option 93. Um, danger flex over right. I want to on two on two. Ready, break. This has been a conclusion of the Drew World Order after party. Wasn't much of a party. I didn't see any strippers or there was no gauge lockers. What the fuck, man? All right. We will see you next time on the Dura World Order. Um, Nico and Red are taking it easy, as they should, because they are great Americans. My name is Professor Guantavius T., PhD, History of Accounting. Thank you and come again.